Welcome back into the studio, Hidden Nation. You got Josh Carey right here, your hidden entrepreneur, tuned right into 710 WOR, the voice of New York. And not only here and now, 24-7, day or night, anytime you want, you know, all you got to do is download that free iHeartRadio app and scroll till you see this show or any show you want. Hidden Nation, we got such a great, intriguing, exciting show for you today. I am joined by automotive semiconductor safety expert, Gulraz Singh, a master in all things semiconductor, automotive, autonomous, self-driving cars. Guys, this is a great episode and content you are going to want to, pun intended, buckle up for. Welcome to the program, Gulraz. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we're talking about autonomous, self-driving cars. I'm completely fascinated by this topic. Uh, I grew up and we were promised flying cars, so we're not quite there yet, but you are the one responsible, right, for, for creating, engineering the chips that go into self-driving autonomous cars. First, what do we mean literally by self-driving autonomous cars? That's a great question. So autonomous or autonomous self-driving cars are really the next generation of driving vehicles, which are going to drive themselves without the human in the loop. At least that's the idea, right? And you see glimpses glimpses of that already uh, on the road uh, with different companies without taking the names. Um, And you see that. So a lot of these technologies are being driven by semiconductors and the chips that uh, allow the software to work on them. We always talk about software, right? We have the software engineers who are cool and then writing code uh, for these self-driving cars, but these software algorithms really run on semiconductor devices, which are li- really like hardware devices, chips. Uh, and I create those chips. I architect these chips for next generation automotive vehicles, whether that's an autonomous car or a traditional car, or a connected car, as we say, which is connected to the internet, continuously talking to the internet and cloud, or an electrified vehicle, right? A lot of electric vehicles are also very common on the road these days. So that's that's really what we do. And, uh, and that's what really autonomous vehicles are. Where do you test? Do you have like a big playground where you can put them in a real car and watch it drive up a private street? Where are you te- how are you testing these? So the testing happens at different phases, right? So the car itself would be tested on the testing tracks. And these are like closed loop tracks, which are monitored continuously so that no one's harmed and stuff like that. Um, But on the chip level where we really construct a chip, we architect a chip, we are constantly running testing software on those chips to see if they are reacting safely or not, right? If uh, if, If the driver says, stop the car, is this chip actually going to run the software to stop the car instead of accelerating unintendedly? That would put the driver in danger, that would put the pedestrian in danger, everyone, right? So semiconductor chips are really something that should behave as the software needs to behave, right? If the software wants to stop, the semiconductor chips should allow it to stop, not, not to accelerate, of course. So for us, the testing really means, okay, the software needs to run correctly on the chip so as to perform uh, the the vehicle operation on the road safely. When do you see 
adoption slash mass adoption, what could someone like me, the layperson, really expect on the horizon? What do you know that I need to know? Well, the talk in the town is that the the self-driving technology is not ready yet, and, and people can see that through different kinds of accidents that are out there. So we, we definitely know that it's not ready yet uh, to be fully autonomous, to for the driver to be sleeping in the back and stuff like that. We're, we're still long ways to go, but in the next five years, we will see a lot more autonomy, a lot more self-driving vehicles on the road, which are driver-assisted, which means that the driver will still be in the loop, but... Um, um, the the car can do let's say eighty percent or ninety percent of the operation. Um, maybe when it's it's raining uh, at eleven p.m. and it's dark and uh, the road conditions are not great, maybe then the driver has to come in. But at most situations, we can get there where the the uh, the car is driving by itself. And this this is a benefit. Spell it out for me. Why do we want this? Why do we need it? What's the benefit? Um. The first benefit we see is in the transportation industry where we are uh, having trucks uh, or or semi-vehicles carrying a lot of equipment from one place to another. So there's a commercial benefit where you don't need a driver anymore or the driver can be semi-operational doing something else in the side as well and then <clears throat> making a lot of um, productivity gains there, right? Um, but we also see applications in um, taxi drivers, right? We don't we don't have taxi drivers at 2 a.m. We don't have a lot of them driving maybe. Um, and so maybe a self-driving car can help there. We don't need a taxi driver at 2 a.m., right? Um, so, of course, this this would mean that there's a disruption of, of an industry where a lot of people would go out of business. Mm. But uh, at the same time, it also means that there's gains to be made in other other forms, right? Mm. So that means that I can get my my Grubhub, my DoorDash delivered at 2 a.m. Uh, when there's not a person delivering it, but a, a car could theoretically pull up to my location. Yes. That's that idea. would be one of the applications, yes. Wow. And what do you see that – how did we get here, right? Like, like what was that tipping point that allowed this what was just science fiction? Like I opened the show saying we're, we're promised flying cars – a ways away but now this is real so when did this happen i think a lot of this started when we understood that a lot of our menial tasks can be done by software itself um and then menial task means uh, um let's say how we're using chat gpt these days right it can write your article or create an outline of your research article or create an outline of the speech you want to do in a big conference, right? So a lot of these tasks can be automated already, but these are, we call it, uh, let's say, small menial tasks. But if we then apply these applications, software applications to safety critical stuff, which is driving a train or driving a plane or driving a car, right? Or transportation in, in general, um, this becomes huge. This becomes uh, really a tipping point in the human evolution where we now don't control the the means to transportation. It's being controlled for us. We don't need a person to really drive a car or, or a train or a bus or whatever, right? Hmm. So uh, we got there by understanding that a lot of these tasks can already be automated and now we can use software to even automate some of the safety critical tasks as well. 
how do you think or know or feel the general public is going to accept or embrace this or lack thereof? We are already seeing this uh, with a lot of accidents currently happening with these so-called self-driving cars. For example, we have seen it in San Francisco. We have seen it in here in Austin, Texas, where I am live from. Uh, we've seen it that the public trust is uh, not that high currently. Uh, the public trust is actually decreasing with time. And there was studies in the recent past which suggest that the public trust is decreasing because we are not taking this seriously in terms of public trust. Uh, if you release untested software, untested vehicles on the road and sell it as self-driving, that's going to diminish the public trust, right? So we want to make sure that we are ready to be on roads safely, securely, both from a cybersecurity point of view and safety standpoint. Uh, and only then we should be uh, releasing these vehicles on the road for general public to use. The government has a heavy hand in all this, the Department of Transportation or otherwise, what's their role? Unfortunately not. We haven't seen a lot of regulations in the U.S. at least really? on these self-driving cars. Yes, that that is true. And in, recently, uh, we had a few Congress hearings on this as well, that we need to have more regulations, um, especially for these so-called companies who are marketing these cars as self-driving. And then humans, of course, drive them as self-driving, but then they are put into dangerous situations, unsafe situations. So we don't get want to get to the point where it's mass uh, marketed as these great self-driving cars, but the technology is not there. And uh, we have seen a lot of regulations in Europe um, by the EU, but not here in the US, unfortunately. Is this the kind of thing that, I'm, I'm sure it's gonna take a lot of uh, different evolutions in phases, is this, either out of the gate or at a later iteration, is this gonna become a thing where uh, the consumer purchases a self-driving car or am I as a consumer utilizing a self-driving car? It's both actually. We are, we are seeing this as a subscription business as well, where you can use a subscription to get from one place to another or or bring your food from one place to another just as a subscription but we are also seeing this as consumer cars, as vehicles that you can buy, right? So it's it's both uh, the applications that are being uh, put into use currently. So it seems like, uh, I mean, the car has been invented, you know, a hundred plus years. Uh, it, is, is the whole automotive industry, I mean, it's changing with electro, uh, electric vehicles and such, but is this really just going to flip the industry on its head? We are seeing a lot of disruption actually with the continuous improvements in technology, in autonomy, in autonomous cars, in, in vehicles in general. And I am seeing a lot of disruption, at least in the semiconductor industry, because now we are saying all of these things are electrical. A lot of these things were uh, mechanical, you know, the braking used to be mechanical, the steering used to be mechanical, but now all of a sudden these are by wire systems. The steering is by wire. My braking is not through a, a mechanical system, but there's an ECU, there's a semiconductor chip in your braking paddle that puts a signal into the, the car that needs to brake. Hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of semiconductor being involved in things that were originally mechanical, but now they are moved to electrical. And now suddenly a chip manufacturer uh, 
sells you something which is not working correctly and your car is not breaking. It's not a mechanical thing that's not working. It's actually a chip that's just malfunctioning. And now all of a sudden you don't have the braking capability in your car, right? So a lot of these disruptions will come with unsafe behavior because we are moving to software and electronics and unpredictable uh, unsafe behavior, right? We cannot predict these things. There are billions and billions of scenarios where we drive our cars on the road with the rain, with the sun. There can be a billion scenarios actually. Um, so to to be able to get there safely is really a challenge and we are seeing a lot of disruption in the automotive industry currently. What is the biggest roadblock you see in the industry today that uh, impedes innovation? Yeah, it's it's really critical to balance innovation and regulation is, is the critical goal here, right? We cannot have so much regulation that the innovation is really put on the backseat, but we also need to have regulations for people to be safe on the roads. We don't want pedestrians to get into unsafe situations. We don't want drivers to get into unsafe situations, right? So the biggest point is to for the governments to balance regulation and innovation in the automotive industry. There's, there's a defined balance um, that we need to walk. And of course, getting there safely is something that we need to really put our focus on. We cannot put uh, drivers or road actors in unsafe situations without them asking for it, right? So your role is really on the safety side predominantly? Correct. So I work on the semiconductor architecture side, but I primarily focus on the safety architecture of the chip. Uh, I try to understand if someone is running a software on the chip that's supposed to break, my chip actually breaks, right? Or if I if the driver says accelerate, my chip actually accelerates or turn left or turn right and so on. So the critical aspect that I look inside a chip is safe behavior of the chip and architecting the chip in a way that's safe, that's reliable, that's cost effective and does the performance as well. We need the performance out of the chips as well, right? We need to be performing on the right time in the right place. So that's that's really my job. Goraz, when you were studying undergrad, you were not focusing on on this aspect, right? So when and how and why did that happen? Yeah, so I just did my bachelor's in electrical engineering, and I was really focused uh, on generally learning about electrical engineering. Um, but then during my master's, I found a few good professors who were working in the chip industry, who was working in the semiconductor design industry, and they really thought that I could do something there. I had a few projects there lined up, and I, I did that. And through that exposure, I specialized in semiconductor design and semiconductor verification, yes. And you, what is the message to the, to the general public that you wanna leave us with? The message that I wanna leave is, uh, we need to be innovative. If you are a software engineer out there who's innovating on some, some technologies, you gotta be innovative, but you also gotta see the safety side of things. You gotta be going in the future sustainably and in a safe way. That's my message. And you're optimistic about where and how we're heading there? I'm definitely optimistic about it. Well, there you go, Hidden Nation. Automotive safety expert in the semiconductor space, helping us get to that 
place where self-driving cars are an actualization and realization. It's Goraz Singh. Thank you kindly for joining us today. I really, really found this intriguing. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And thank you, Hidden Nation, for tuning in. I want to remind you, get out there, be seen, be visible. No longer hiding behind what you think you can't do. You know you can. Hoping that this conversation was a bit of inspiration for you to go out and do what you do best. We're going to do this again before too long. Until we do, thanks for tuning in. Take care. Be well.